And every person that's full of faith today said, Amen, Amen. amen. You know, this morning, what I want to talk about is I want to just kind of let you know, uh, you shared a little bit earlier that, that uh, you know who you are. And we began to just declare that all over this place as there was an ebullient uh, atmosphere. And the amazing thing about that is that uh, as you see a mother, that you know that a mother, you can tell when they are carrying uh, but also, uh, you see the evidence of that at the end, but between the delivery and the carrying, that there is a process, that there is a transition. Do you know that that's the very same thing in our own individual lives? That many times in our life, what, what we recognize is that there's a general tendency that our circumstances usually affect how we perceive a thing. Um, and let me ask you these questions, and this is not a rhetorical question, so this morning it's okay for you to talk back, to talk to me. Um, and so let me ask you this question, two questions this morning. On a cold winter night, not here in Texas, <laughs> but let's go in Minnesota. On a cold winter night in Minnesota, which would you prefer to have, a cold glass of iced tea or hot chocolate? Talk to me. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. On a hot summer day in August here in Texas, which would you prefer to have, a cold glass of iced tea or hot chocolate? Isn't that interesting? that the choices are the same, but the circumstances have changed. And therefore, because the circumstances have changed, our natural tendency is to be affected by the circumstances, and our choices become different. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, if you return there very quickly, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Now. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, verse 3, and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now I want you to notice here that uh, something has changed. And John the Baptist, the Bible says, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus, and he asked Jesus, Are you the one? But we can look, though, actually in John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says that John saw Jesus coming toward him. And when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he, and, and he stood with his disciples, and he said the same thing looking at uh, uh, Jesus as he walked toward him. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, John said that twice in John chapter 1, and you saw it in verse 29, 35, 36. He said that twice. And when you look at that and you look at, let's say John chapter 1 verse 29. You look at it, John chapter 1, verse 29. And I want you to notice at the end of that sentence, you see an exclamation mark. And then in John chapter 1, verse 36, when, when John looked at Jesus and he said to him, Behold the Lamb of God. And we look at the end of that and, and look at there. We see a what? Exclamation mark. And so at the end of those two where he was declaring that Jesus is, 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 is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, we see an exclamation point 
And now an exclamation is used to make a forceful and definitive proclamation. And so here what we do is that we see John the Baptist, he's making a proclamation about Jesus. It's definitive. It's not questionable. And he says that here is the Son of God, behold the Lamb who has come into the world. But then now, if we go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, and in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, and when John had heard in prison about the words of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And when we look at that, and he said to him, are you the one, the coming one, or do we look for another? What is at the end of that sentence? A question mark. Now, what's interesting about that is that two years have passed since John proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God. Behold, the Lamb who takes away. He, de- he proclaims that. He declares it. Two years have passed from John chapter 1 to Matthew chapter 11 when he sent his disciples to Jesus and questioned, are you the one? Why is it that he would be so definitive first of who Jesus was, but then later on in life, two years later, he now began to question if Jesus is the one? Well, I believe that we get an indication of that in Matthew chapter 11 verse 2. Because in Matthew chapter 11 verse 2, what we find is that when John had heard in prison. So now John's circumstances have changed. And now because his circumstances has changed. How many of you know that there's a lot that can happen in two years? See, in two years of your life, children can change. In two years of your life, school can change. Teachers can change. Uh, uh, relationships can change in just two years. How many of you know that your money could have been good, but it could be funny in two years? See, something has happened to John that has caused him to go from proclaiming who Jesus is to actually questioning it. And it was, tells us it's when he was in prison. So John's condition, his situation, his circumstance has caused, has changed his perspective of who Jesus is, his circumstances, his situation. Therefore, we understand then that God enters into all things and there is nothing that your enemy can do to you that God can take and do for you. And just because situations and circumstances change, just because perceptions may change with relationship, perception may change with a number of different things in your life, that what, what I want to just share with you that there is a, a process. And when you have a dream, when you have a vision, you see the end of the thing. You may know where you are, but you do not know the process. Let me just share something with you in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. How many of you know that the enemy would love to get under your skin? And, and, and so the Bible tells us this in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 11. We're going to look at it in the Message Bible. Hey, come on, champions. Let's read this together like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. 
Come on, who gets the last word? Who gets the last word? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. This generous God will have you back on your feet in no time. Just as the brother was praying a little bit earlier, he says, oh, God, you're a good God. Just as the, the a truth saying earlier during worship that you've never failed me. <laughs> you are faithful, and it is your faithfulness. And so what we want to do is we want to recognize then that when you have a vision, when you have a dream, that you see the end of the thing, you may know where you are, but you do not know the process. And what God will do is he, this generous God will start things working together. Why? It's because he gets the last word. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. In Genesis chapter 37, would you go there please? Genesis 37. I want to just share this with you that Joseph has a dream, and I'm not going to be long. We're going to wrap it up in just a few moments. Uh, but Joseph has a dream, and in Joseph, the Bible tells us that Joseph is, is 17 years old in jo Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. It tells us his age. He's 17 years old, and um, when you see an age in the Bible, it usually mentions that age again. When you see it, it mentions it, it talks about it again. And so in Genesis chapter 41, it may not talk about that same age, but it give another age of that individual. And so in Genesis chapter 41, verse 46, the Bible talks again about the age of Joseph. Now, in Genesis 37, 2, he's how old? 17 years old. But notice here in Genesis chapter 41, verse 46. Come on, champions, let's read that together. Now, Joseph was 30 years old when he went to work for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. As soon as Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he began his work in Egypt. Now, Joseph was how old? He was 30 years old. And though when God gave him the dream, he was 17. But now he starts working in the place of a dream being uh, coming to uh, reality when he was 30. Now, so there wasn't two years. It wasn't five years. It wasn't seven years. It wasn't 10 years. How many years had transpired, church? Let the, let, the, let the words know that 30 from 17 equals 13. And the people of God can not only subtract and add, but we know about multiplication. We know about exponential increase. Because he'll cause 30, 60, 100-fold return. <laughs> and so this little 30 minus 17 is nothing for the people of God. So notice this. Joseph has a dream when he's 17 years old. But 13 years later, the dream is fulfilled. My God, let me just tell you something. I want you to remember this, and may, many of you may need to write that down. When you know what you're supposed to do, when you know what you're supposed to do, many times the next thing is not to do it, but there is a journey to take you to that place. When you know what you are to do, the next thing many times is not just to do it, but there is a process, or there is a journey where God starts preparing you for what he already has prepared for you. We see that all throughout the Bible. David was anointed king, but David did not become king the moment that he knew what, he was, what, his, what his purpose or his future was. But the Bible tells us that David went back doing what he had already, always been doing. And 20 years later, David became king. We also know that Paul was chosen to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But the moment that God opened his eyes, the moment that, 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 that Paul was chosen, that he did not become a a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles until 12 years later. 
Well, see, see, one of the, what God was doing, God was working something out of Paul's life. And let me just tell you, because if you didn't believe what Paul believed, he'd rather kill you than look at you. Saul of Tarsus at that time. And so he was prejudiced. And God put him in a multicultural church to work that, the church of Antioch, to work that prejudice out of him. So then now 12 years later, the Bible says, as they were fasting and praying, God said, set out among you Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to do. And he became an apostle 12 years later. Would you just say this with me? God is preparing me for what he already has prepared for me. I'm going somewhere. So oftentimes there's a journey you have to take to get to that place. And what happens in Joseph's life, it's a beautiful picture because what happens in his life is that it starts with his brothers. He has a dream. He tells the dream to his brothers and he say, we were in the fields working at my bundle of wheat, stood straight up and your bundle circled around me and bowed down to me. And his brothers got offended and hated him and says, you know what, who you think you are? Or you think you're better than we are? Then the Bible says that he had another dream. And, and he said to his brothers, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And then they got offended again. And so let's just read about this story just in a, just a, just a few scriptures here this morning in verse 15. And we're going to read this. My gosh, we're going to read this. Um, let's just keep reading until I tell you to stop. Let's read together now. Now a certain man found him. And now, now, so what they've done now is that they have, they have, they have uh, uh, tried to kill him. They, 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 they threw him in a well, rather. They talked about killing him, and they were so disgusted with him, they just threw him in a well. They say, you know what? We're not, we're not going to uh, kill him, but let's just throw him in a well. And let's tear up his special coat that he got from our daddy. And let's take it back to our household and tell our daddy that some wild beast just tore him up. I mean, you're talking about sibling rivalry. I mean, you know, uh, man, there may be competition in the family, but do, man, I, I tell you, I, 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 no one in my family has ever done that to me. Now, I, I do have a, a sister. Uh, my sister um, her name is Bernice, and she just passed this week. Uh, she was 66 years old. And uh, I remember um, when I was young, I was maybe about 14 years old, I had a paper route. And uh, in my paper route, I started throwing papers in the evening time. See, I wasn't lazy, no. My whole life, I worked. I mean, when I was 12, 10, 12, 13 years old, I pushed a lawnmower up the street, knocking on people's doors. You want your yard cut? And you know what? Uh, they said, how much is it? I said, $5 for the front, $5 for the back. And uh, no matter how big it was, I just said, $5. $5. I was happy to get that $10. I would be gone from Saturday morning to Saturday evening, man, and, and I'd probably make 60 bucks. I was, man, it was like I made 600 But I had a newspaper route in. And so in the evening time, I'd ride my bicycle and I'd throw the newspaper to my uh, customers. But in the morning time, I, I went from, from having just one to two. I was an entrepreneur. So I not, not only threw the Shreveport Journal, I threw the Shreveport Morning Times, Shreveport Times. That was in the morning. So I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning before school to throw my papers. My daddy told me, he says, wake your sister up and uh, she can drive the station wagon and you can sit in the back of the station wagon and have your papers there. And as she drives, you can throw them from house to house. I said, that sounds like a good idea to me. But every morning I had to go in and wake her up. And she didn't like that. So I would go in and I would go, Bernice, Bernice, daddy say get up. 
And she jumped out of bed and she said, pa, 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 pa. She worked me over, sibling rivalry. <laughs> then she get back in the bed. Now I knew I had to throw these paper, papers because Mr. Purnell would have fired me if I didn't. And so I go back and I go, wake her up, Bernice. And she'd get back up and she'd go, pow, 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 and work me over. Now I got smart, but I needed to get her up. And so I say, Bernice, and then I take off running. Go to the door where dad and my dear were sleeping. So she may have worked me over, but she never tore my clothes off me. Took them to my dad and mom and say, wild beast tore him apart. I'm still hurting. I feel, I have, woo, I feel that pain right there. Let's start at the top together now. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, uh, we can, we're looking at verse 18. Let's read it together now. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now stop right there, my God. There are people that want to destroy your dream, your future. You may not know the process, you just know the end result. Verse 23, let's read it together now. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that, that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Isn't that cold-blooded? They're going to throw him in a well, and they're going to sit down and eat. Let's do it. Verse 25 together now. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Now they're going to Egypt. Now they lived in Canaan, the promised land, and Egypt was a land of bondage. Let's look at verse 28. Later on, let's read it again together. Let's read it together. Now, then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. They took him. Look at this. He lives in a, in a promised land. And they took him to a, the place that was known as bondage. Verse 36. Let's read it together. Now, now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Let me just give you this here. I told you earlier that when you uh, know what you're supposed to do, that the next thing is not so much to do it, but usually there is a journey to get you there. Let me tell you the second thing. When you have a dream, all you know is the end. You don't know the process. All you know is the end, but you do not know the process. Joseph doesn't know how the dream is going to be fulfilled. He didn't think he'd end up in Egypt, but is, in Egypt is the place where his brothers would bow down to him. And can you imagine Joseph is sitting there? And when his brothers came, Joseph said, you know what? This is the dream. This is what I saw. 
And, 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 and he says, this is it. But notice the process that he had to go through. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a well. They sold him uh, uh, into slavery. His, his, his family, uh, he went into a house, worked hard, honored God in everything that he did. Then the wife of Potiphar wanted to ac- accuse him falsely. He gets to Egypt because so much favor is on his life. The favor of God is on his life that he gets promoted. But the amazing thing about it is that the way to the fulfillment of his promise passed through Egypt. Now, he did not expect that. And so I want you to get this. He, he was so respected at one time, and then he had become disrespected. But the moment he was walking through was getting him prepared to the place that God was taking him to. What he was walking through was getting him prepared to get to the place where God was taking him. And you know what? Just because you have a dream, just because you have uh, a vision from God, doesn't mean you determine how to get there. Doesn't mean that you determine how to have it fulfilled. Look, God trained Moses in a palace. Moses went into the desert, but he was trained in the desert to come back to the palace. My God, God trained Joseph in a desert, but he sent him to a palace. The Midianites were his ticket to get to Egypt. Do you know what today, church? You may be traveling a dusty road. You may feel like that, you know, that things are hurting in your life, that you might be in a place of pain. You may feel exhausted. You may feel tired. Uh, You may see that two years have made a big difference in your life. One year has made a big difference. That relationships might be strained. Finances are not as strong as they were. You might see that, um, that you have more debt than you expected to have at this particular time. You may see that school is a lot more difficult than you expected it to be. You may look at your life and you may wondering, maybe wondering, this dusty road that I'm traveling, where will it take me? And it doesn't look like you're getting there at the moment, but you're on your way where God wants you to be. And when you look at your life from your perspective, you can see what's happening, but you cannot see what God is working. God has the right people at the right time to get you where he wants you to be. There's one last scripture that I want to read to you this morning because the Bible says God tells us that he will not bring you into a dream or vision and not fulfill it. He says it like this in Isaiah 65, 66 as he talks about it. He says, I won't bring you into the delivery room and not cause you to give birth. There's a dream that God has given you. There's a vision that God has given you. And that dream and that vision that he has given you will come to pass. Let's read this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 together now. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, Be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. So you can, no matter where you're going, you're walking the journey, you're going through the process, and the Bible says, don't jump to conclusions based on the process that God is not at work. Because he says that glory is just around the corner. Well, what is glory? Uh, You know, glory means honor. Glory means greatness. And so you may be in a place right now, and, 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 and you're going through the process, but you have a dream, you have a vision, you have not seen God fulfill it. But I'm here to tell you this morning that glory is around the corner. Your greatness is around the corner. And do you know that what's around the corner you can't see from where you are? 
So how do you walk into what's around the corner? You just keep walking. You keep walking. You just keep walking. And all of a sudden, have you ever been walking down uh, downtown around tall buildings, and then you stepped out, and now there's a gush of wind? That's what happened to the glory. So you just keep walking. You just keep walking. You just keep walking. Why? Because your glory is around the corner. You may see the end, but you do not see the process. And church, the enemy will try to make some things that you're doing not come to anything, but I want to remind you uh, of this particular passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 11 that we read earlier. And I want you to hold on to this. I wanted to challenge you in this because your promotion is just around the corner. Your financial breakthrough is just around the corner. Glory to God, your A, your A on the dean's list is just around the corner. <laughs> Glory to God. The restoration of your relationship is just around the corner. You just keep walking by faith. You, you just keep walking. You just keep walking. Now, the enemy will try to get you to look at the process, but God says, look around the corner. First Peter chapter 5, let's read it one more time. And this is my challenge to you today. Let's read it together. Now, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Would you say, wake up, everybody? <laughs> Come on, so read it. repeat after me. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. Come on, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading now. Let's keep reading together now. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into the hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Keep a firm grip on the what? On the what? Why? Because the suffering won't last forever. It won't be long. It won't be long. Come on, keep reading it together. It won't be. Let's read it together now. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans, they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Verse 11, he gets the last word. Yes, he does. Who gets the last word? Who gets the last word? Come on one more time. Who gets the last word? God gets the last word. Yes, he does. And so just keep walking until you hear, until you hear, until you hear. And then all of a sudden, right around the corner, glory is going to come and overtake you. Greatness, the promise, the dream becomes fulfilled.